Grab some bacon on a biscuit and let's go. We're burning daylight. Welcome to the Frontier Freedom Hour with Jeff Hunt. Sponsored by Centennial Institute at Colorado Christian University. Now, here's Jeff Hunt. Well, howdy, friends. This is Jeff Hunt. This week, we are continuing to feature some of the greatest speeches from the 2023 Western Conservative Summit, which took place right here in Denver, Colorado, just about three weeks ago. Up next is Kristen Wagner, the CEO of Alliance Defending Freedom. And in light of the historic 303 creative case, we think it's appropriate to feature her. She's the winner this year of the 2023 William L. Armstrong Award given for national conservative leadership. This is our most prestigious award, and Kristen Wagner's bold and successful leadership at Alliance Defending Freedom has changed this country for the better. Ladies and gentlemen, Kristen Wagner's speech from the William L. Armstrong Award at the 2023 Western Conservative Summit. It is an honor to receive this award named after Senator William Armstrong, whose leadership and bold witness for Christ we continue to benefit from today. Senator Armstrong champions self-government, fiscal responsibility, the rule of law, fundamental freedoms, and the importance of a Christian witness in the public square. His decision to live a life of service, not only in government, but to the next generation at Colorado Christian University, reminds us all that a life well lived is one with right priorities and one that follows God's call wherever that call may lead. What an example to all of us of how God blesses his faithful servants down to their children's children. So thank you for this honor, and Will and Christy, thank you for carrying on the Armstrong legacy. And thank you to the Western Conservative Summit for your commitment to equip Americans to continue to stand for faith, family, and freedom. Tonight, I want to begin by going behind the Iron Curtain in February of 1974. Alexander Solzhenitsyn had just been arrested by Soviet authorities, and as a world-famous dissident, he had spent eight years in the Gulag. During that time, he had seen firsthand the cruelty and the oppression that defined communism. And as a writer, he devoted his life to exposing the truth at great risk to himself. But eventually, as a dissident, he became an unbearable threat to the Soviet regime. But for Solzhenitsyn, the deepest rot that he saw in the Soviet society wasn't just in the government. He actually said that it was the people who had tolerated that government and refused to critique it. And his critique went all the way down to the ordinary Russian on the street who put his head down, kept his mouth shut, and sometimes even gave voice to the lies of the Soviet regime. It was that man that Solzhenitsyn said had a lack of courage, and it was that man who gave an unconscionable gift to the Soviet regime and was in a deep form of slavery. On the eve of his exile, Solzhenitsyn left a parting letter to the Russian people, and his letter said, we have so hopelessly seeded our humanity that for the modest handouts of today, we are ready to surrender up all principles, our soul, all the labors of our ancestors, and all the prospects of our descendants. Anything to avoid disrupting our meager existence. Solzhenitsyn's solution was simple, to stop aiding and abetting lies. 
This, he said, would not only rob the regime of its legitimacy, but more importantly, it would allow the people to live for something more noble, something higher, to live for truth and even the creator of truth. There's a lot that's changed since 1974, but his prophetic words should ring in our ears today as we too face a growing tyranny of lies in our nation. Those lies don't just come from the government. We hear them from media, entertainment, academia, big tech, some of the most powerful corporations in the history of the world, and even the medical establishment. As an attorney, I see these lies making their way into the law. The lies tell us women can't be fulfilled or equal without aborting their children. That race defines us, it makes us innocent or guilty, and it must separate us. That marriage and the family are malleable, that they can be defined at will with absolutely no consequence to society. That men can become women and vice versa, because gender is based on feelings, not based on reality. Now we know that none of these lies stand up to reason or to science, which is why they have to rely on fear, public shaming, and cancel culture. But the challenge of Solzhenitsyn is here facing us today. The question is, will we too remain quiet? Will we too cede our humanity to avoid repercussions? Or instead, will we choose to stand on the timeless truths that have served this nation and humanity so well? G.K. Chesterton said, every high civilization decays by forgetting obvious things. But the thing about the truth is that it doesn't disappear just because we forget it. And when we ignore that truth, the lies that we affirm cause long-term harm to very real people and may, in fact, take generations to undo. That's why I joined Alliance Defending Freedom. ADF exists to advance the God-given right to be able to speak and live the truth. And we do that in courtrooms and legislatures and international tribunals and by training the next generation of Christian lawyers. And with God's help and the help of a broad alliance of groups and individuals, we've been able to prevail in 14 United States Supreme Court victories in the last 11 years with hopefully The 15th coming in a few days, we hope. But the Alliance is also seeing progress in the state legislatures as well. In fact, nearly half of all states have now passed laws to protect student free speech on campuses. And 22 states have protected the rights of women and girls to fair play in sports. 18 states have taken some initial step to stop children from being traumatized and victimized by harmful and permanent medical transitions. And much of this has occurred in just the last several years. Together at ADF, we stand with you to protect and advance the truths that are facing the fiercest attack today. What are those and why do we stand for them? Well, first, we protect the truth that life is sacred. Because God is the author of life, and every person made in his image is made with dignity and purpose. So we defend the sick, the elderly, the disabled, and yes, we defend the unborn. And we can never abandon God's ideal for marriage, which is a witness of the profound importance of a sacred union revealed in nature and in scripture. And we all must continue to champion the family, 
Because we remember that of the three God-ordained institutions that form the very foundation of human civilization, family, church, and government, what came first? The family. From the beginning, God ensured that it took a mother and a father to make a child. And we know that it's ideal when a mother and a father can raise that child together. And we know that every child is fearfully and wonderfully made as a boy or a girl, and that God makes no mistakes in what his hand creates. We also must defend the right to raise our children, to direct their upbringing, and that parental rights are fundamental rights under the Constitution. The relationship between the parent and the child is a living metaphor for the relationship between God and man. As President Reagan said, in the family, we learn our first lessons of God and man, of love and discipleship, of discipline, of rights and responsibilities, of human dignity and human frailty. And lastly, we must all protect free speech and religious freedom. Because while evangelism and discipleship start at home, they can never end there. When people of faith are free to live out their faith in their word and their deed, the world becomes a more just and humane place, and that benefits people of all faiths and people of no faith. Throughout history, Americans, including Senator Armstrong, stood tall for these truths because they recognized that no nation could flourish if they deny them. So while our founders were not perfect, they established a First Amendment to ensure that we all have a voice to stand when timeless truths are tested. Coercion has never been the American remedy to bad ideas, but debate and persuasion have. What you may not know is that right now the United States is the last country in the free world that is resisting the type of censorship laws that are blanketing Europe, Canada, Australia, and New Zealand. Let that sink in for a minute. We are the last country in the free world. This could be the last generation. Many nations guarantee rights like free speech in their written constitutions and governing documents. But those documents are no longer worth the paper they're written on because judicial interpretations, and in some cases an apathetic citizenry, have allowed them to be absolutely gutted. And we know that there are plenty here in the United States right now who are vigorously advocating for that same government censorship. So why is free speech coming under assault at this point in time? Well, we all know there are many reasons, and you've heard many of them this weekend. But perhaps the biggest one is that the ide ideology that has so co-opted many of the most powerful institutions simply cannot abide the truth. It's an ide ideology based on a lie. It says that we should look inside rather than outside ourselves to determine what's right and wrong, what's true and false, that we can determine that, that any disagreement with one's self-perception can't be tolerated and must be silenced. But we need to understand that this way of thinking is fundamentally incompatible with free speech and religious freedom. Think about it. If the right to be affirmed in one's feelings is ultimate, then it becomes a super right that supersedes all other interests and rights, even those that are enumerated in our Constitution. That's Kristen Wagner from the 2023 Western Conservative Summit. We'll continue with her right after these messages. 